On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Elon Musk confirms an imminent price increase on Autopilot's full self-driving package. Sandy Monroe gives his final takeaways after completing his Model Y teardown. Tulsa makes a grand symbolic gesture in its attempt to woo the Cybertruck Gigafactory to Oklahoma and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey with you for episode 251 of Ride the Lightning. This one for May 24th, 2020. Daisy the Boxer Puppy hanging out in her open door crate behind me. She's, uh, yeah, she's actually awake because it's daytime. It's very rare that I do the show with the sun still shining, but I was very fortunate to uh, be given the extra day off today ahead of the holiday weekend. So I'm uh, very grateful to be enjoying an extra long holiday weekend here uh, across as Memorial Day comes up for the United States. And I thought, well, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to risk maybe missing a story if anything breaks late in the day on Friday or Friday evening. But uh, I thought, well, let me get the show done, get it out to the Patreon backers a little bit earlier than usual. And also then I don't have to worry about it tonight. I can just relax and enjoy my evening and, and wind down as normal. So hope you're all doing well. Uh, I'm feeling really good, I have to be honest. I got a good night's sleep. I'm just, again, grateful to have an extra day off. And uh, yeah, just looking forward to enjoying a, a weekend here. Hopefully some good weather, hopefully some good dog walking time. But I wish you uh, the best as well. Hope everybody's well. Hey, real quick, before I get started this week, I forgot to mention this last week, but in light of my 250th episode, I wanted to humbly mention my Patreon real quick. Now, I normally, I make it a point to only ever mention that at the end of the show. So as not to, to my, my goal there is not to bother people with it if you don't want to hear it. But then again, I also know not everybody even makes it to the end of the podcast. So if you wouldn't mind uh, mentioning this, me mentioning this just for a moment, I would appreciate it. So real quick, my, my usual spiel that I give at the end of the show is, as you can hopefully tell, a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of love, enthusiasm, and research goes into this podcast each week. And of course, the podcast is totally free and it always will be. But if you do enjoy it and you are willing and able right now in these uncertain times, I would be especially grateful if you might consider supporting me and my efforts with this podcast on Patreon. There are various tiers that you can pledge at. Most of those come with a little extra bonus. I try to throw in some little fun incentives for people at the various tiers to sort of reward that, uh, that generosity. And the cool thing is those bonuses stack the higher up you go. And and just humbly, I'd say, you know, every little bit makes a difference. I, I promise you that. So if you do get a chance, I would very much appreciate it if you would at least take a look at my Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast, Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and perhaps you'll consider a pledge. All right, I promise I will not mention that at the top of the show again for, for quite some time. I'll leave it for the end. So on with this week's Tesla news. Uh, real quick programming note though, actually, I guess this is kind of news. 
The Cybertruck and Elon will be featured on the May 27th episode of Jay Leno's Garage, so check your local listings there. I will have a recap on next week's show. I will, uh, I will track that down and, and have a quick summary for you. All right, this week's Tesla news. I want to start with Mr. Sandy Monroe. He has uh, been mentioned on this podcast quite a bit in, the, in recent weeks as he's been doing his teardown of the Model Y, the literal carving into the car, taking it completely apart to learn all about how it's made, Tesla's manufacturing processes, their, the build quality, all that stuff, just the, the actual nitty-gritty of the making of that car and how it's built and how well it's built. Well, Mr. Monroe has completed his Model Y teardown, and he's posted his final episode uh, of that series, that teardown series, each, each episode taking a look at a different part of the car. Episode 40 was the last one, and I encourage you to take a look at it. He gives his 10 takeaways from uh, the teardown. It's a really good overview. If you haven't been following along with any of those episodes, it's, it's a very good overview of the 10. It's a mix of good and bad things that he found about the car in his expert opinion from the mega casting, sort of that two-piece uh, casting that makes up the rear assembly of the car. That's certainly in his good category to the fit and finish, which he has some issues with to the injection molding used in the headliner panel, even compared to the Model 3, which he likes, to the Hardware 3 full self-driving computer, which he was quite blown away by. So um, let me just play the clip for you, just a little, little quick summary clip of this from Sandy Monroe. Basically, that this is, um, this is identical to what Dr. Deming used to talk about. I mentioned Dr. Deming a couple of times, um, he was a very good friend and a, absolutely one of my best teachers. And he used to talk about continuous improvement. And this car, I think, represents continuous improvement, not continual improvement. Continual improvement is what we see with most uh, manufacturers. They stop and uh, in, make improvements uh, in one big batch. Then they limp along or do whatever they do and collect other improvements, and when they feel the time is appropriate, they implement uh, in batches. This car and the Model 3 show us that that's not the, that's not the strategy that Tesla has. They have true continuous improvements. So what they do is they spot something that's wrong, they fix it immediately, they stick it in as a running change and continue going. It's continuous. Some of the stuff is major, some of it's minor, but at the end of the day, these guys, these guys here are doing something that's a step change beyond everyone else, and this car should be a wake-up call for anyone who's manufacturing anything, regardless of whether it's a cell phone or a car or an airplane or anything else in the marketplace. The continuous improvement that Dr. Deming talked about and focused on, which was on the factory floor, to make improvements every day in every way. This has been now applied to the product design uh, venue and we better take note because this is the new way of doing business. 
So there you go, his overall takeaway, extremely glowing. And again, this is a gentleman who has seen it all. So the praise from him is meaningful. He says, quote, this car should be a wake-up call for anyone manufacturing anything. Very powerful words there. Uh, Sandy Monroe, thank you. I learned a lot about the literal guts of our Teslas that I, that I enjoy and care about so much from watching your Model Y teardown videos. In fact, I'm going to get the chance, if all goes well, I'm going to knock on wood here, I'm going to get a chance to tell them that in person on next week's podcast, if all goes well, Sandy Monroe will be my guest on next week's show, so stay tuned for that. Next up this week, Elon Musk formally announcing the full self-driving price increase that he had previously hinted at. Elon taking to Twitter to write, quote, Tesla full self-driving option cost rises by about $1,000 worldwide on July 1st. He added uh, in a follow-up, the full self-driving price will continue to rise as the software gets closer to full self-driving capability with regulatory approval. At that point, the value of FSD is probably somewhere in excess of $100,000. Well, a hundred grand is uh, quite the optimistic valuation. Uh, I'm not sure I personally agree with that, but I also can't say necessarily. I can't. I can't produce a strong counter argument either. It just sounds a little optimistic. But but then again, if Tesla really is the first company in the world to get cars production cars that anyone can buy to have actual full self-driving capability where you can go to sleep in your car, then who knows? Maybe it, the cars are worth a fortune and the software package is worth a fortune at that point. Now, to, to be super clear, he's not saying that the price of it to order it is going to be $100,000. You're not suddenly going to be paying $150,000 for a, a Model Y, for instance. He's suggesting the value of full self-driving will be in excess of $100,000, which he's he's no doubt pulling that from the idea of the robo-taxi, right? That you'd be able to use your car to generate income for you on a daily basis during the times where you're not using it, whether you're, you know, while you're at work, the car can then venture out on its own in the Tesla network, et cetera, et cetera. So that's, that's where he's getting a lot of that. But, you know, yeah, if I've talked about it on this podcast before, I mean, the, the, when the time comes, I do, I've been driving to Arizona every holiday season to spend time with my parents and my extended family. That is on a good day, which I didn't have on the way down there last year, uh, that is on a good day, a about a 14-hour drive with charging stops. So if that's a thing where I could leave uh, in the maybe like right after dinner kind of thing, like leave at 8, 9 p.m. and then uh, just let the car do its thing. And then at some point I go to sleep and then I wake up uh, in the morning and, and we're effectively there or getting real close to it, that's absurdly valuable. That would, that would really fundamentally change a lot of people's travel lives at that point. So, you know, on a, on a theoretical level, I certainly 
I'm not completely opposed to it. It does, it's a big number though, $100,000. But in any case, as to the price increase itself, the general sentiment in the Tesla community that I'm seeing thus far seems to be that Tesla is pushing their luck with upping the price to $8,000. So what I'm curious of is, what do all of you think? Are you going to buy it before the increase if you do not already have it? And if you're not, what will push you over the edge to go ahead and purchase it, if anything will? Or, or are you maybe gonna hang back and wait and see what the subscription option looks like that's due later this year, Well, which remember Elon said on the earnings call about, I guess, what was that? A few weeks ago now. So I'm very curious to hear from you guys about that, whether you wanna email uh, real quick or just call in real quick. Now, for me, I'd say a couple of things about this. First, uh, it actually, believe it or not, if again, if you do that, pull that camera back, pull up to the 10,000-foot the view, as I like to say, it actually is still cheaper. As of today, before the price increase, it's still cheaper than it used to be because when I bought my car, and when I know a lot of you out there uh, started getting your Model 3s in 2018, as I did, as production ramped, when I bought my car, it was $5,000 for the enhanced autopilot package. And then if you wanted to add the full self-driving, which at that point did not have any features, but it was $3,000 to prepay for that. Uh, and you did have to get both to get the full self-driving features. You couldn't just do the $3,000 full self-driving. But for the past year plus, basic auto steer, traffic adaptive cruise control, autopilot has been included in the cost of the car. Uh, although if you really want to get technical, Tesla did raise the price of the Model 3 by about $2,000, as I recall it, to which kind of mostly offset that quote unquote free basic autopilot. And then you have, uh, you just have the choice now, of course, whether you want to add the, again, as of today, $7,000 full self-driving package. So today it's $7,000 to get everything versus the $8,000 that it was in 2018 uh, and, and prior to that. So pretty soon then, come July 1st, it will simply be back to what it was for, for a long, long time. In fact, really since the introduction of enhanced autopilot, I, I believe, since the introduction of, of that whole thing. So uh, seven versus eight, soon it'll be eight versus eight, but that still doesn't get to the question of, is it worth it? Now that answer is going to vary person by person, depending on your use case, what you're gonna use the car for, what, you know, there, there's a lot of variables there. I would have to say that for me, I do not regret spending the money. If you're a newer listener, when I bought my car in 2018, I will tell you that I did purchase the $5,000 enhanced autopilot when I ordered, uh, but I intended, I did not spend the money on the, the $3,000 full self-driving. I had intended to wait that out until actual features came along, since at that point, you know, Elon had said things, but there was no real concrete idea of when those actual features would be coming along. 
But then my plan changed when early last year, early 2019, the full self-driving package went on, and I'm kind of using air quotes here, went on sale very briefly. I ended up getting it. So instead of the $4,000 after delivery price, that had been made very clear when I ordered the car. So I knew that I would be paying $1,000 more if I waited. And I had accepted that. Suddenly it was available to me for the same $3,000 that I could have gotten it for at delivery and the full self-driving computer was on the immediate horizon. So I went ahead and and went for it and, and decided, all right, well, it's probably never going to get cheaper than this. And I plan on having the car for a while, so I'm gonna do it. Now, granted, some people even managed to get it. There was a real narrow window of time where you could get that uh, that package for $2,000. So that if you had the enhanced autopilot that you paid $5,000 for, you could get the the full self-driving package for two grand. So there were a few people that really lucked out there. But anyway, when people ask me about autopilot, and and it does happen, it happens from both... uh, prospective Tesla owners and just people curious about it. Here is my honest assessment of of autopilot as it stands today. It's worth it to me. Now, I'll say Smart Summon and Autopark are, I say this very respectfully to the engineers who are working incredibly hard on this, but I don't currently trust Smart Summon or Autopark. I don't use them. I've tried them a couple of times and they have... uh, in the case of Auto Park, it's freaked me out to, to the way it's it's handled the the parking and, and made me think that it might curb the wheel, you know, which I really don't want to have happen. Uh, and Smart Summon, I've tried a few times, and it's just, it's not behaved. It's either like, I've told a few anecdotes over time, but long story short, it's just that the times I've tried Smart Summon, it generally has not gone well. So... Those two features, which are full, you know, full self-driving features, uh, they're they're part of the whole the whole package. Those are not of particular use to me. And then when it comes to the automatic lane changes, where the car is suggesting and then actually executing the lane change completely on its own on the freeway, I have turned that off as well because for me it takes too long for the car to go through all of its safety checks and actually complete the lane change. And it just ends up becoming kind of stressful to me because a car will inevitably come and fill the gap. You know, you, you don't have all day to make those lane changes when there are other cars on the road. So that being said, everything else in autopilot, everything else is not just good, fantastic. I love it. Having my car take off ramps is awesome. Having it connect through interchanges to go from one freeway onto another, it's glorious. Having it suggest lane changes based on it, it, the fact that it knows what my destination is, so it knows when I have to get off the freeway. I love that. And I love that feature, again, even without being able, without allowing the car to make those lane changes on its own, because all I do is the car suggests a lane change and then if I want to take it, I just tap the stalk to confirm it. And if and if it's doing something that I don't want it to do, I just ignore it. And then it goes away in a few seconds. So um, I will I will add on top of that. I love just being able to change lanes in autopilot 
period, which you cannot do with the basic autopilot that's now included with every new car. You have to disable autopilot and then make the, the lane change manually and then turn autopilot back on. So with the, with the full kit and caboodle, you could just tap this, you can just hit the signal, the car will do it, make the lane change on its own. And if it sees something coming up that you didn't see, it's going to abort it. So it's, I, uh, it, that's fantastic. It works tremendously. And that's kind of where I stand with it. You know, it's, it is a lot of money. I recognize that $8,000 is a lot of money uh, for, and, and all, and that might not be worth it to you, but uh, I, for me, I use it literally every single day. Every time I take the car out, I am using autopilot in some way, shape, or form, whether it's for a bit of my drive or most of my drive, depending on where I'm going. And now the stoplight stop sign recognition is starting to make autopilot useful on city streets as well, which only adds even more usefulness to it, again, for me living in a city. So the bottom line for me is I do think it's worth it and I do recommend it to people, although, I, again, I completely understand that people have different use cases. So um, one caveat I would add, and again, I kind of touched on this a minute ago, but I plan on keeping my Model 3, in which for which I have paid for all this stuff, uh, all the full self-driving features, I plan on keeping my car for 10-plus years. So not everybody does that. If I were only going to be hanging onto the car for three years, five years, uh, I'm not sure I would feel the same way. So totally acknowledge that. Maybe I would, possibly not. So if you're on the fence thinking about whether or not to make the purchase uh, of this of the full self-driving package prior to this price increase, well, I hope that, that uh, what, five or so minute spiel I just gave maybe helps you decide one way or the other, or at least gets you thinking about it maybe in a, in a, in a way that you hadn't considered it before. All right, let me move on here. Tulsa, Oklahoma is ramping up its efforts to woo Tesla's fifth gigafactory and what will be their, actually technically their third one in the United States. Tesla Roddy reporting the infamous golden driller, a giant statue of an oil driller, has had the Tesla T logo painted across his chest. The statue, notable for its significance as a symbol of the city's rich history in oil drilling, is also having Tesla CEO Elon Musk's face painted on it. And I, I'm adding here as well, they also added a Tesla belt buckle to the, to the golden driller as well. And Tesla Roddy noting, it is unclear what entity is behind the painting, according to Mark Andrews, who is the president and CEO of Expo Square. That's, uh, I presume, where, where the golden driller is located. After he, he told Tulsa World that he declined to comment on who painted the driller's updated look. Thank you, Tesla Roddy, for that report. Honestly, I think this is really cool. Uh, I think the symbolism is beautiful here. And even though I confess I'm, I'm not familiar with Tulsa, I've not had the privilege of visiting there. So I don't know the local significance of the golden driller, if it's, if it's like really a meaningful thing or if it's just sort of this kind of neat neat thing that's just, that's part of the city. I mean, every city's got, got stuff like that. But either way, the fact that it is a known Tulsa landmark 
with with such a clear historical context matters as it pertains to this Tesla makeover that the Golden Driller's been given. So, I mean, for the city to to willingly and and happily and enthusiastically embrace Tesla and the sustainable energy cars that, of course, Tesla produces by making this showing on the Golden Driller, a symbol of oil, I think that's a pretty powerful message. I think that's really cool. Now, last week, we, of course, learned that Tulsa is a finalist for Gigafactory 5, uh, whether it ends up being called TerraFactory, Gigafactory 5, Giga... Tulsa, whatever it's quite going to be known as, but in any case, Tulsa is a finalist along with Austin, Texas. And as I said last week, I still feel like that Austin's got to be the front runner, just given I'm basing that solely on Elon's repeated mentions of Texas in recent weeks. So he's clearly got his eye on Texas. And my read on it is, as I said, last week that that Tesla's probably, excuse me, (laughs) Tulsa won't be the first time I do that, especially if Tulsa gets the Gigafactory. But I got to feel like Tulsa is probably the backup uh, just in case Texas, and now I'm just mixing them all up. Tulsa, Tesla, Texas. It's 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 not a good, it's not a good combination for me. But anyway, yeah, if, if Texas lawmakers refuse to legalize direct car sales to consumers as part of a Gigafactory deal, then that's where I feel like, okay, because that's, I just think that's got to be part of the package here. The Texas has got to make that change. So if that doesn't happen, then maybe Elon and Tesla will turn to Tulsa for, for a Gigafactory 5. But one way or the other, it appears that your Cybertruck that you have pre-ordered will be coming from the middle of the United States, not California. So if you would like to take factory delivery of your Cybertruck, if that's even an option, come uh, come that when 20, late 2021, late next year when production is scheduled to start, you can put your 500-mile range tri-motor Cybertruck to work Right away, if you go, if they offer factory delivery, and maybe you, if you live on in either the eastern or western half of the country, head on to the middle, pick up your 500-mile range tri-motor Cybertruck, and you can start getting a feel for the superchargers and, and the whole Tesla experience right out of the gate. You can start roughly planning your road trip now. All right, a couple more quick things this week. First, TechCrunch via Reuters reports that Tesla has dropped its lawsuit against Alameda County. TechCrunch writing, The dismissal, which was granted last Wednesday, closes the loop on a battle between Tesla CEO Elon Musk and county health and law enforcement officials. The lawsuit filed May 9th, hours after Musk threatened to sue and move operations out of the state, sought injunctive and declaratory relief against Alameda County. Reuters was the first to report the dismissal. End story. Well, Uh, This makes perfect sense, of course. I mean, I I confess I'm certainly no lawyer, I'm no legal expert, but seemingly the lawsuit was really a a kind of move to cover Tesla's backside, legally speaking. Is that a legal term? (laughs) Cover your backside. While Tesla was willingly defying the order. So they they were going to defy the order and reopen, 
And so they could say, hey, look, we're doing this. We filed a lawsuit here because we think we have a legal leg to stand on. We think the county is wrong to keep us closed. So here's a lawsuit in case we end up needing to argue about this in court while we go ahead and reopen right now. But I would think that the lawsuit presumably lost its purpose, really, as soon as the Alameda County law enforcement said that it was not going to seek any arrests or otherwise choose to take action to force Tesla to shut down. So it would seem that this is over. Tesla's back in business, and here's hoping that everything calms down now. And, uh, you know, I know it's not going to be an overnight thing, but hopefully over time, Tesla and Alameda County and to a more general extent, Tesla and the state of California can make up and, uh, and Tesla and California can continue to have a thriving partnership in, in job creation and in industry and in, in uh, you know, leading technology. Finally this week, there is a new software version that rolled out this week. It's 2020.16.2.1. It's got a welcome new feature. You can format a USB stick for dash cam and sentry mode use right from the car screen, right from the car's interface. You just plug in the USB stick and you go uh, into the interface and, and it'll set up for you right through the car. That means you don't have to involve your Mac, involve your PC, anything else. You can do it all right in the car. And I think that is a really welcome and nice convenience feature, particularly for Tesla drivers who might not be as computer savvy. I say that with nothing but love and respect because like say, if my parents bought a Tesla, they would, and I told them, hey, you can have this active camera security monitoring system, but you've got to do all, you got to format, you got to name a folder, Tesla cam, you got to, they would, they would completely be lost. And by the way, if you're wondering, don't worry, I'm not throwing shade at my parents. If they were sitting here right now and I asked them, they would, they would completely say the same thing. They would totally admit that they, they would have no idea how to, how to set up a USB stick to use as, uh, to use in the car for, for Tesla cam. So love that the car will do this all on its own now, just further simplifying the process. That is great for all Tesla owners, current and future. Now, in fact, uh, you might've actually gotten, you might've blown past 2020.16.2.1, 2020.2.2. 20 is starting to roll out too here at the end of the week. Uh, I just got it in my car and it brings with it, in addition to the uh, dash cam thing I just mentioned, uh, it brings with it a new video game. So a new game being added to the mix and it's Fallout Shelter. Now this was announced almost exactly one year ago during the Elon Musk, Todd Howard conversation that was held as part of the Electronic Entertainment Expo. We know it in my world as E3. I was lucky enough to be in the audience for that Elon Todd conversation. And I am uh, actually, after I record this podcast, I'm going to go down and, and uh, mess around with Fallout Shelter because it's a free-to-play game on your mobile device. I actually never played it. I love Fallout, but I just we I don't play a lot of mobile games, so I have not played Fallout Shelter. But I'm going to go check it out in the car because it's got 
uh, I, my understanding is it has a few little updates and, and differences to it that the other versions do not have. In fact, my plan is to have more on Fallout Shelter for the Tesla very soon at my day job, IGN.com. I want to also mention well, one other quick thing I should have mentioned a minute ago. Also, as part of 16.2.1 or later, a uh, uh, another new feature, the pedestrians that the autopilot cameras detect and show on screen are now animated. They are no longer just stick figure ghosts just haunting their way across <laughs> across your car's view it's a they're they're actual and they're, they have a walking animation they they have they look more like living people and not uh ghosts just floating on by so that's cool love to see love to see that display continue to get more detailed more sophisticated Great stuff there. All right, that's everything I've got for you in the world of Tesla news for this week. Again, I'm recording on at noon. It's almost, it's lunchtime here on Friday afternoon. I'm recording a good 10 hours earlier than I usually do. So if something breaks uh, in news-wise here uh, in, the, in the late afternoon or evening, my apologies, I'll get to it next week, but hopefully you'll forgive me uh, wanting to get the podcast done and out to the Patreon friends a little bit earlier than usual so that I can have a, a nice, uh, have the evening with my family instead of having to uh, spend the evening on the podcast for once. Anyway, I'll be right back with plenty of your phone calls coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Well, it turns out I was wrong about Daisy the Boxer being awake for this episode. She is uh, snoring pretty loudly over there. I wonder if he'll come through on the microphone. Uh, anyway, it's time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Your calls, your questions, comments, discussion topics as they pertain to the world of Tesla. You can be part of this anytime you like. There are two easy ways to send in your phone call. Either use your smartphone's built-in recording software, record that question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less, and then you can email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can send that same minute and a half or less question, comment, or discussion topic to the Ride the Lightning hotline itself. You're just calling in and leaving a message. It's a toll-free number you can call anytime or Skype anytime, and that number is one 888 989-8752. Again, that's one 989 tsla And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Keith in North Carolina is up next. Go ahead, Keith. Up first, I should say. Keith, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. This is Keith in Greensboro, North Carolina, and I have a question for the listeners. I paid for full self-driving when I purchased my 2018 long-range all-wheel drive Model 3, and I still have the 2.5 hardware. I took delivery in November of 2018, and my car is in the 104,000 VIN range. I did schedule a service appointment this past week in the app for the 3.0 hardware upgrade, and Tesla's service responded saying the hardware for the upgrade is on back order. 
I'm just curious as to how many other listeners have paid for the full self-driving and are still waiting for the upgrade. Maybe you can field some calls or emails from folks to see how the hardware uh, hardware upgrade is progressing um, or not progressing with everything being shut down. I do hope everyone is being safe and protecting themselves, their family, and their friends and coworkers if you're still working. Fortunately, I am, and I'm definitely thankful for that. Thank you for all that you do for us, Ryan. Appreciate it. Bye. Hi, Keith. Well, I'm sorry you've had to wait for your upgrade. I haven't heard one way or the other if that's the case on any kind of widespread level. I mean, anecdotally, uh, it would make sense given the wave of upgrades that they did before the pandemic and then the shutdown uh, may be preventing more hardware from being uh, made in, in any kind of sufficient quantity. But I'll tell you, I have heard now that that the uh, hardware upgrades are starting to be able to be done via mobile surface service, even for Model 3. They previously could be done uh, with a, a mobile service on S and X, but the 3 had to go into the service center. So it's possible that since you've called in, that things have improved, because actually, I guess your calls from a, maybe a week or so ago, I only did a few calls last week. I would suggest trying again. Maybe make another appointment in your app and see if, uh, if they can get you taken care of this time. Brian from Minneapolis is up next. We were uh, I was mentioning the full self-driving subscription option earlier in the show, and here's Brian to talk about that. Hi, Brian. This is Brian calling from Minneapolis. Um, so I was I just finished up the episode about the uh, with the investor call, um, and part of the show was how they're looking at doing full self-driving as a subscription package, um, and I had a really interesting idea. For that, so I know Tesla doesn't really do like trim levels in a way a normal manufacturer does, but I think for full self-driving they really should. Um, especially in if you look at the Model Three, for example, I'm a standard range plus owner, and for a car that is only around forty grand to add another seven thousand on there, it almost when you're looking at that car specifically, it's like, okay, could I get full self-driving or should I just get an all-wheel drive model, which is extremely useful, in, uh, especially in the Midwest here during the wintertime. And I really think a lot, a lot like other car manufacturers, they should divvy this up. So maybe they have like a, a $2,000 package, maybe a $5,000 package, and you get the full suite for seven. Whereas if you pick like a, uh, a all-wheel drive model and or or you pick like a a performance model, you get more of those features at the lower package at no additional cost, kind of like how other manufacturers do it, where if you have an EX model of this, you have these basic features, you can have this package for more money, whereas if you pick a higher trim, you get those included. So uh, just an idea. Love your thoughts. Thanks. I'm totally with you on this, Brian, and I suspect that that's exactly what it's going to be. I should have thought of this when I was reacting to it initially, actually. But I think you're right on the money here. There will probably be a cheaper monthly plan for the basic uh, autopilot or auto steer plus traffic adaptive cruise control autopilot available for those that don't have that and a higher monthly price plan for the full kit and caboodle and maybe even one in between for those folks that have basic autopilot but not the full self-driving package. Very curious to see what the pricing structures are going to be on this. Brian, thanks so much for your call. 
Phil in Southern California is up next. Phil, welcome to the show. Hey, Ryan. This is Phil from Southern California. Long-time listener, first-time caller. On the issue of the subscription for full self-driving, I have a short commute, so it doesn't make sense for me to invest or even subscribe over the long term. So the big question is whether or not you can start and stop the subscription just for trips when you're going to take a long trip or not. That might be worth it for me. I don't know if you'll hear before I do, but uh, love your podcast and thanks for your work. Bye. Hi, Phil. Thank you very much for calling in. This is one of those things that I just assumed in my head, but then totally failed to verbalize on the actual podcast. I am very much assuming that this will be a month-to-month option for exactly the reason you mentioned. If there isn't, I think it's going to be a bit disappointing because not everybody is going to want to commit for a year at a time or perhaps even longer if they decide to offer the subscription as effectively a low to no interest payment plan until you own it. I could see it being a higher price per month if you're not willing to do a year-long or longer commitment, but I very much hope that there will be a month-to-month option. Fingers crossed on that. Chris from Charlotte is up next. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, Ryan. Chris from Charlotte, North Carolina here. Uh, First-time caller. Listened to your podcast for a while now. I actually got my Model 3 in early March, and my wife got so jealous she ordered a a Model Y, and we we actually got advantage of a a cancellation. So she got it a couple days later, so now we're a full-fledged test family. But uh, but nonetheless, I, I wanted to call about a piece of technology that I thought Tesla could implement into the into their sentry mode. So every time sentry mode warns me that there's something going on and I hop in my car and I look at the camera, there's a 10-minute video that it's very rare I get to watch all of it. And, and I know that there's technologies out there that allow you to point out specific areas in a shot and in an array of footage that, that may be more important, like a movement or something touches the car. Just curious if you've heard anything that they might be doing in that respect. That way it makes sentry mode a little bit more... Uh, usable and some of the video actually gets gets used more. So anyways, thanks again for the podcast. Uh, great stuff. Hope to uh, talk to you soon. Bye. I couldn't agree with you more, Chris. I know this is a totally free feature that was added well after the Model 3 started production, so I don't want to seem like I'm looking a gift horse in the mouth here, but it can be a bit annoying to scrub through the files to find the actual incident. I really like your idea, and that's one way that the Tesla software team could definitely improve this, again, already fantastic extra feature even more. Thank you very much for calling in. Matt is up next uh, with some sad personal news about his Tesla. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Ryan. It was a bit of a sad day for me yesterday as I turned in my least Model S. It's been a bit of a different experience with this whole process during the time of COVID-19, and I thought I might tell you how it went. Now, normally the leasing bank would hire an inspection service like AutoVin to come out and inspect the vehicle in person, but because of the COVID situation, they were no longer doing that. I ended up having Tesla handle it, and what they're doing right now is they're having you do your own inspections. So they sent me a web link, and I followed the link, and I filled out some information, and I sent a bunch of photos and scheduled the time to drop off the car with a service center since the local delivery center is closed. And even though Tesla employees are currently furloughed, the service center was buzzing with activity yesterday when I was there. And what I did is I pulled up when I got there and there was a sign with a QR code on it that you photograph and you follow the link. 
and there, that's how you check in to let them know you're there and why you're there. And uh, I went back in the car and I sat there in the air conditioning and pretty much the rest of the process was handled uh, with no contact and I just signed a piece of paper and I was on my way. I had a lot of great memories with that car on doing lots of road trips up and down all over California and I'm going to miss it dearly. But I look forward to fulfilling my Cybertruck reservation in a few years or picking up a Model Y. So thanks again for all your work on the show, man. I still love listening to it every week. Take care. Matt, you've been a great supporter of this podcast as a listener, a caller, Patreon for a long time. So I tell you, like, I'll be honest, in a small way, I feel like I know you a little bit. And so I have to be honest and tell you, your call made me sad. I'm, I'm really bummed. I know there are far greater concerns in life right now, or there's, there's just way more important things than, than Tesla's. But we're here. We're talking about our enthusiasm for Tesla and these cars. And, and yeah, I'm just I'm really bummed to hear that you had to turn in your Tesla. Now, the good news is that the Cybertruck is just 18 or so months away, if all goes well. So hopefully you'll be back behind the wheel of another one soon. I will do my best to keep you and everybody informed about all things Cybertruck in the meantime. Thanks, as always, for your call. Jonathan from Atlanta with some feedback on the stop sign, stop light feedback. Uh, rather, stops recognition. There we go. Stop sign, stop light recognition. Go ahead, Jonathan. Hey, Ryan. Jonathan again from Atlanta, Georgia. Wanted to give you my couple of my observations um, on the new traffic light and stop sign awareness update that we got. First off, the stop sign awareness. Yeah, that's got to be a combination of both the visualization, the cameras, as well as mapping software. Um, there was at least a couple of occasions where I was coming over the crest of a hill and my car told me that a stop sign was coming up and I, hadn't, I couldn't even see it yet. And sure enough, I crested the top of the hill and there it was, you know, just a you know, hundred feet away or so. Um, so that, that, that kind of was a little mind-blowing. Um, the second thing is that, uh, of course, it gave me the um, notification that uh, it was going to be stopping for a traffic light about 600 feet away, and um, the traffic light was green. So I hit the stock down to go through, and almost immediately after I hit the stock down, the traffic light started to turn yellow and then red, and the car recognized it, and without doing any, started slowing down again without me... Um, telling it to slow down or putting my, put my foot on a brake. So uh, just just pretty cool showing the, the capabilities that uh, it has are, are pretty amazing that it can actually, um, you know, re-engage the, the stopping feature. So that's all. Have a good one. I've noticed the same thing, Jonathan. There definitely seem to be maps baked in there. It doesn't seem to just be vision, which you heard Andre Carpathy talk about in that clip that I played a few shows back. This is the biggest step forward into new and uncharted territory for autopilot since those automatic lane changes. And I feel like this is working better right out of the gate than that did. Or, or maybe, maybe better isn't the right word, honestly. I guess I'll, I would say that I find it more realistically, practically useful than I did the auto lane changes. Thanks for calling in. I've uh, got a few more calls here. Damon from Northbrook, Illinois, responding a little further clarification on the wall charger situation, the, the Gen 2 to Gen 3 48-amp, 72-amp wall charger. Go ahead, Damon. Hey, Ryan. This is Damon out of Northbrook, Illinois again. Just calling about episode 249. You had a caller 
um, commenting about the wall charger scenario, Model 3 versus Model S and X and the 48 amps. And um, currently, the Model 3, Model S, and X all only can charge at 48 amps. There was a time there around the Hardware 2 update in mid-2016 that um, Tesla moved all their cars to 48-amp chargers. It was an off-menu item for a little while where you could do the 72-amp charger, um, which these are all onboard chargers. It's limited by the chargers that are built into the car, not the the wall. Um, You get higher speeds from supercharging because it's a direct uh, DC connection to the battery when you do that. But I think they moved away from the higher amperage uh, daily chargers because you don't really want to be charging at very high rates um, regularly with these batteries, just like they say not to supercharge um, regularly. And uh, also it's an added expense. The the, the higher uh, speed chargers that are built into the cars cost more. And then the wall charger requires a heavier gauge wire, which increases the installation cost. And in the end, with the supercharger network, it really isn't needed to have that high speed charging at home at all the added cost. Well, thanks again for all you do, and I'll look forward to your next episode. Take care. Bye. Damon, thank you very much for correcting me on this. Also, a tip of the hat to Jonathan from Maryland, who called in with this exact thing as well. I did not realize, actually that the S and the X moved away from the 72-amp onboard chargers that they used to come with. But so then, with that knowledge, your explanation makes plenty of sense. 48 amps makes a ton of sense. It is plenty for most daily needs. However, I do still stand by my or part of my original point on this as well, which is to say that I do hope Tesla will bring back higher-speed charging options for the Cybertruck and the Roadster, and presumably future vehicles, which are going to have much larger battery packs with much longer ranges, and so the the uh, higher at-home charging option would be appreciated and useful. But nevertheless, uh, you and Jonathan have taught me some new Tesla information today, which I always appreciate. Thank you very much. Blake is next. Uh, he's a Model S owner. Let's talk to Blake. Hi, Ryan. My name is Blake. i am got a Tesla Model S. Uh, I was just curious on your thoughts of when full self-driving does come available, what side of the car you will ride on. I have lots of other questions, comments about Tesla. Not enough time to talk about it on this one short phone call. But I think we're just scratching the surface to this Pandora's box, I would say. Thanks. Bye. Blake, I certainly agree that we're just scratching the surface. I do believe, however, that we probably won't be in a position to choose any seat in the car anytime soon. That probably won't happen until we can delete the steering wheel altogether and have full Level 5 self-driving, which we've heard Elon talk about Tesla aspiring to. But you bring up an interesting point. When we do get there, will car design change? Will back seats become more focused on, kind of like the way they are in a Rolls-Royce now, where you're expected to have someone be driving you around and you sit in the back seat? Or will we just get cool pods to sit in, like on Westworld, 
where there really isn't a front or a back seat. I wonder what car interiors are going to look like in 50 years from now. It's interesting to think about. Thanks, Blake. Uh, last caller this week, last and certainly not least, Andrew from Canada with an interesting question that I haven't thought about in a while. Go ahead, Andrew. Hey, Ryan. Andrew from Canada. I just have a question about cooled seats in Teslas. I'm pretty sure that the Model Y and Model 3 never had cooled seats, but I'm pretty sure for about a year, the Model S and X had cooled seats, but they got discontinued. Could you please tell us why they discontinued the cooled seats in the S and the X? Because I see them being very useful on a hot day. And would you like them to bring cooled seats back to all models? Share your thoughts. Thanks. Andrew, thank you for your call. I confess, I actually don't know the answer as to why Tesla discontinued them. It's possible that they were from an external supplier, meaning the, the cooling components. And of course, we know that Tesla brought the whole seat operation in-house. Or maybe the cooled seats just didn't perform as well as Tesla wanted. I would actually, on this, really love an assist from my Model S and Model X owners out there, the, the pocket of you who whose car did fall into this window, if you have an S or an X that has the cooled seats in their car, I would really genuinely love to hear from you. How are they? Uh, I, I'd be really want to know. So to try and offer some kind of constructive information here, though, Andrew, it does appear, I can say, that the new Roadster will have cooled seats because the prototype has perforated seats, which is indicative of cooled seats. It's, it's funny, you can really only see the perforated seats up close. The, and, and we've only had a handful of photos of the seats that are that close up enough to see them. But, you know, it, it does make sense for a $200,000 supercar to, to have cooled seats because it's, you know, you should have some nice bells and whistles on, on a car that costs that much. But also it makes sense for a car that can be a convertible. To, you'd want to have cooled seats in there. So hopefully that's maybe a sign that Tesla is going to be getting back into the cooled seats business, at least with one of their cars. Thank you very much for your call, Andrew. Thanks to everybody that called in. A reminder that you can call in anytime, day or night, with the one of those two easy ways that I mentioned at the top of this segment. So feel free to drop me a line. I think the voices of all of you guys make this show better and make this segment really fun for me, at least, hopefully fun for you. So give me a ring anytime if you want to talk about anything in the world of Tesla. All right, stick with me. I will be right back with uh, your video game recommendation as Shelter in Place, I guess, winds down, but I'll, I'll give you at least one more this week, plus your pro tip of the week and more right after this. Well, as for me, I plan to wash my car for the first time in, I think, over a month this weekend. Got the, the nice holiday weekend, some good weather in the forecast. It is finally due. It's got a nice thick layer of dust from sitting in the garage, but I did also, on one of my once-a-week remote dog uh, walks out, out in, a, in a nice, quiet spot, 
I did uh, get rained on a little bit. So there's some nice just dust caked into it. It'll feel good to get down there and wash my car. Now at the continued suggestion of Stefan from Monterey, I have a, since I work in the world of video games, I'll give you a video game recommendation for those of you who may still be sheltered in place, working from home, etc. Now this one goes out to a woman who goes by Tesla Hitchhiker 42. She sent me a very kind phone call that while it was a bit too long to play on the air, she really posed me an excellent question that I'll address right here. She asked me for a video game recommendation for someone who's never really played games and doesn't own a dedicated gaming device. Now that's, boy, that's such an excellent question because I confess I've never really thought that much about it, about that, because I've been playing video games since I was like seven years old. So I thought long and hard about this and I do have an answer for you, Tesla Hitchhiker 42 and anyone else, because uh, believe me, this recommendation goes out to even if you are a video game player, I recommend this one. So the game that I recommend is The Secret of Monkey Island Special Edition. Now I know that's a mouthful, and some of you out there might be thinking, what? Did you just say Monkey Island? What are you talking about? Trust me on this one. So this game, uh, Monkey Island, it's a point and click adventure game, meaning all you do is just click on the screen to move your character where you want him to go. Your character's name is Guybrush Threepwood, which if that's funny, good, because that's the whole game, that's part of the part of the charm. But uh, so you click on the, the screen to, to send your character where you want to go. You click on items in the environment and you click on items in your inventory to interact with them. It's a pretty simple game to play. And Monkey Island is a comedy. It's a comedic adventure game. It's, you play, again, Guybrush Threepwood, who is a, really this bumbling young guy who wants nothing more than to be a real pirate. And it's set in a fictional, kind of a timeless Caribbean type setting. Think, I mean, think Pirates of the Caribbean. It's, there's definitely an influence there. It is full of great jokes, great humor. The dialogue is great. The puzzles will rack your brain at times. But there is, uh, in the special edition, there's a hint system built in that's that you have to enable. So if you want the hint, you can take it. But if you want to figure it out on your own, you can do that. And Monkey Island Special Edition, at this point, will run on pretty much any computer. In fact, it's also, let me double check here, I think it's also available on phones. Although I would recommend playing on a computer or at the very least a tablet, just something with a bit of a larger screen. Yeah, there it is, Secret of Monkey. It's on my, I do have the phone version. So it's on phone, it's on computer. Play on a tablet or a PC uh, is my recommendation. But it's, it's really great. It's one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, and I uh, mentioned the fact that it's special edition because... <laughs> They had to bring it back. That's what the special edition is. This game is, was originally released in 1990. So the special edition updates it for modern computers. Google it if you're shopping on PC, you'll find a link to buy it. Or if you're on the your mobile device, obviously go to your the Google store or app store. Enjoy it if you decide to give it a try. And again, that goes for everyone because Monkey Island is one of my all-time favorite games. All right, pro tip of the week, Jerome in Northern California. Go ahead, Jerome. 
Hey Ryan, it's Jerome up in Northern California. I've got a pro tip for you. When you go to plug in your supercharger cord with COVID on the mind, if you grab it below the handle on the actual cable, you probably reduce your risk of touching anything nasty. Although now that I've shared it with everybody, I've just hosed it for everyone. <laughs> Shoot. I hadn't even thought about this since I've barely been driving my car, but you make a good point, Jerome. Might be a good idea to carry some disinfectant wipes in the car to wipe down the charging cable before you use it. Alternatively, in a pinch, you could use your shirt or jacket or something to grab it and then put it back when you're done. Thank you for your call, Jerome. And by the way, good luck on your road trip. Jerome wrote me to let me know that he is uh, road tripping to Florida from Northern California. He's off to see the SpaceX Crew Dragon launch. So safe travels, Jerome. All right, that will about wrap it up for the podcast this week. First, let me mention a few friends of the podcast. First, abstractocean.com. If you're in the mood for a tempered glass screen protector for your Model 3 or Model Y, perhaps the Roadster-style TESLA lettering for the back of your Model 3 that can look super cool. There's also the center console wraps to eliminate the glossy, fingerprint and scratch happy default center console. You can put a nice wrap right over it, do its self-installation on that. All that, plus lighting kits, all that and more. Abstractocean.com is the website. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout in order to get 15% off of your first order. Meanwhile, puretesla.com slash RTL, that's a wonderful URL to visit in order to solve your dash cam and sentry mode needs in one fell swoop. $49 for the 128 gigabyte kit, 256 gigabyte kit steps up to $69. It comes fully formatted, ready to go, even though the car can, can do that for you now. Uh, what's cool about the pure Tesla kit, as I've said in the past, it is based on micro SD, not USB. Uh, and microSD is designed for the constant reading and writing and reading and writing of, of data that the sentry mode and dash cam do, which USB is not designed to. I've, I've told you a while back, I had one of my USB sticks just go, like the, the it just stopped working properly, which has happened to a lot of people. So the pure Tesla kit is uh, pretty much a, a one-stop, one-shot one solution. PureTesla.com slash RTL. Free shipping anywhere in the U.S. And then, of course, Immaculate Reflections. Jeff at Immaculate Reflections standing by. He has availability to... Uh, he was telling me, I was talking to him today, actually. He was saying that the Tesla side has been a little slower recently, no doubt because there are no cars coming out of the factory. Obviously, a lot of his business is, is brand new deliveries, people that have just taken delivery. But he was saying, yeah, a lot of Porsche folks have been, in, have been uh, taking him up on his, his expertise recently. So let's get back in there. Let's show him. Let's, uh, let's remind him how cool the Teslas are. So maybe you have a desire to get a ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax your car for the next three to five years. Maybe you want to do paint correction, maybe paint protection film. Uh, you could do all of that. Jeff is a master detailer just and, and a wonderful human being on top of that. So to learn more or get in touch with him, get scheduled, 
And a reminder that he has discounts for listeners of this show. The website is irdetailing.com. And then the Jada wireless charging pad for Model 3, the new version is imminent. You can order it now. It, it charges even faster. They're using an even nicer, grippier material for the charging pad, along with a few other little changes as well. Uh, there is an upgrade deal if you already own one. So you can find out all of that information on the link that I'm about to give you, the website link I'll, I'm about to give you. They also have the USB hub as well, which grants you additional USB-C ports and, and USB-A ports, whether you have a, a 3 or a Y. So they've got one for both of the cars. So uh, again, please use my referral link. If you're going to go pick up any of this stuff, I would greatly appreciate that. And that link is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash 8. And Jada spelled J-E-D-A. Uh, subscribe to the podcast if you do not do so already. That is completely free. It just means, again, that the show will push to you automatically every time there's a new episode, which is every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. You can subscribe on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn in your Tesla, Spotify, I'm also on YouTube, just in audio form only, but if you consume your podcast that way, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube, and it should pull my channel right up. And uh, I think that'll about do it. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram if you're interested. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan on both of those social media platforms. And as I've said before earlier in the show, you can email me anytime, teslapodcast at gmail.com. Finally, I want to thank the Patreon producers, the wonderful folks supporting at the producer tier, which entitles them to, among other cool perks and bonuses, a shout-out each week. So thank you to Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Maracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, Rome Strack, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondal, Jerry and Mary Smith, Brian Hope, Bill Royko, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, Chris Konesnik, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Folkers, Matt Kalen, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversole, Ish, and Ramey from TeslaProTips.com. Thank you all very much. And with that, I, uh, is she still, oh yeah, that daisy's still passed out over there. I'm gonna go get some lunch. I am very hungry. It's after one now. Thank you very much for joining me for the 251st edition of Ride the Lightning, the weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. Again, if all goes well, Sandy Monroe will be joining me next week. I'll have clips from the Jay Leno Cybertruck segment, so it should be an extra fun episode this week. In the meantime, I hope you enjoyed this week's show. Happy electric motoring, and I will see you all next week.
I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun. 